Pride is something we should all have. Pride in who we are, pride in coming into our own. And this month, across the world, the LGBTQ community celebrates Pride Month and the historical relevance it has on our society. My guest today, Anna Deshawn, continues to use her platform as a content creator and radio host to shine a light on the LGBTQ community. But now her focus is making sure the marginalized within the marginalized are heard even more. You're listening to We Need to Talk. So you got something to say that is on your mind. We need to talk. We need to talk about it. You know, just one conversation can change your life. We need to talk. We need to talk about it. We need to talk. Anna Deshawn. Welcome to We Need to Talk. I am so glad that we are finally getting to do this. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I can't believe I'm here. I'm in the spot. <laughs> like, this is where I want to be. This is exciting. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. You've been so supportive over the years. And, you know, you and I, we've been friends. We met in Chicago at Broadway United Methodist Church. And I've, you know, been a fan of your work. And I really appreciate all that you do to really uplift BIPOC voices and even more specifically BIPOC queer voices in the work that you do as a creator. And we're going to talk all about this. But first and foremost, happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. We are into Pride. Um, I would love to know personally, what does Pride Month mean for you? Because I know it means something different for everybody. And even if you want to go into a little bit of the history of Pride Month, people may not know some of my listeners. But talk about what it means for you and the significance of it. It's changed a lot over time. And um Man, I, when I was 20 and just coming out, it was a party. You know, there was rainbows everywhere. I could, you couldn't <laughs> sneeze and not sneeze a rainbow around me. Like it was on my shoes, my socks, you know, it's interesting now. Like for me, pride, especially this year in particular, coming off of last year, we had the most trans murders ever. And then this year, with all of the political nonsense happening around the country, you know, with LGBTQ folks. And this is the first time in a long time I felt like pride for me this year is really about protest. Mm. And we all know, and if you don't know, it started as a riot. Um, And if you don't know, just Google it. (laughs) But we ain't gonna get into that today. But I do feel like for me this year, it is so much, I'm, I'm angry. I'm more angry Mm. than I've been in a long time. It's probably a buildup of lots of things, but it's a year where I don't necessarily feel like doing the parades and I don't necessarily feel like celebrating. I just feel like raging. And Mm. um, so for me, pride is this year. It's about that. I know for lots of other people though, it is time to celebrate. And and I and I recognize that and I and I want them to do that because so many people yeah. cannot, because so Absolutely. many people do not have the opportunity or the privilege to say that they're out, let alone, you know, stand outside and scream and shout and be naked and be killed and have a good time <laughs> and you know, all the things that pride is. But for me to share, it's definitely. I'm raging on the inside this year for sure. I understand that. And just in the last few years in general, with the attacks on LGBTQ rights, LGBTQ plus rights and all of that stuff, it, it's hard to 
take just even 30 days to 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 celebrate and have happiness but i and i love what you said you know if people want to celebrate where they are they should they should be able to right but how have you felt with this kind of constant attack towards the lgbtq plus community specifically in the political realm because it feels like and even as a person of color you know we're going three steps forward just to be pushed 10 steps back and that it's just this constant push and pull so just how have you been reacting to a lot of the things that have been happening specifically in the political world i've been trying to play i've been paying really close attention and trying to put the historical context around it Mm -hmm. in that we know that um, cause and effect is a real thing and so right we 1965, we get the Civil Rights Act, you know what I'm saying? And then we get, you know, then there's like Jim Crow and then there's like, you know, there's progress and then there's like prison to pipeline, you know, school to prison pipeline thing. And then it's like, you know, I just feel like we made progress to your point and then something else happened. And so in this moment, I'm sitting in this place where I'm like, okay, there's a lot of historical context for what's happening right now. Like, um, we make some strides and then now we have very extremist right-wing you know republican party which for yeah. all accounts over the last 30 40 years hasn't been as extreme right 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 um but it is very extreme right now there isn't a centrist right there is one romney in the midst of a very yeah. extreme party Right. Yeah. And, and he used to be the extreme one back in the day, which is I kind mean, of interesting. And now people are like, I can, I can get on board with Mitt. <laughs> mind blowing. Okay. Do we remember when he yeah. ran, ran for president? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's mind blowing where it's gone. And, and I think, you know, the orange man really unerthed all the things. <laughs> not the orange man. I, mean, I just don't I, know what. No, I get it. Don't say his name. I get I, it. He I who can't. shall not be named. Mm-hmm. I get it. Orange. I get it. Forty five. You know, it's just like he unearthed what we already knew was there, yeah. but we were allowing it to die. Like there was a point yes. where there was there was. Of course, there are things that happen that infuriate us, and there are systems that need to be dismantled, and there are, you know, all of those things are true. But there was a point where they realized that. They were feeling like they didn't have a home here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they do now. And they have a very rich man to fund it. And yeah. I think that has felt made them to feel very um, unstoppable in some ways. And I feel like I felt this way a few years ago, too. I just felt like we were on the precipice of a civil war again. And. I definitely feel that. I feel like we are living in two very different countries. And honestly, I don't want anything to do with their country. So, and then I'm also not willing necessarily to fight for the one we all in. Um, Mm. Mm. I'm not sure if it don't fight for me. Yeah. So it's just infuriating in some ways. And also, and and I know it because I sit also at the intersections of all these identities. So on any given day, Black people are under attack, women are under attack, and queer folks. I, I did a podcast, and I was just like, this week, y'all, I'm exhausted, okay? It was Buffalo, New York. Brittany Griner's um, detention was extended, yeah. and the Roe v. Wade um, leaked decision, right, yeah. dropped. I was like, that's all three of my identities, y'all. I got nothing left. <laughs> I got 
<laughs> I got nothing left. And but here. here's the other okay. thing that I wanted to ask you about, you know, talking about that, because you're saying those are three of your identities, but you also are a Christian. So how have you reconciled with the fact that people that call themselves Christians are against everything that you are? Because they ain't my Christian. I don't know. Yeah. They somebody else's Christian. They white Jesus <laughs> Christians. I don't know. They ain't mine, right? Like my Christian, my Jesus, my God worked with the poor and cared about the underprivileged and the underrepresented and sat with those with leprosy and, and healed those that no one thought needed to be healed. And, <coughs> um, they, they, they white Jesus. I don't know them. <laughs> I don't know their Christianity. Actually, I am familiar with it, but I don't like it. And, um, I think it's, it's in, that too. If you're God, I'm just angry. You see, this is why for me, this shit ride is like, I'm just burning up inside because they use Christianity as their pillar <coughs> in politics when, you know, supposedly there's a separation of church and state and supposedly there's a freedom of religion and, and I should, and they should not have the opportunity to sit on that as an argument, as a stance. Yeah for yeah. the directives in which this country should go. And it's completely unfair. I think there's lots of things that need to change like electoral colleges and we should be at a point where popular vote matters. And the reason, and if, and reason it's not, is ridiculous. And we have, you know, mass shootings and Governor Abbott feels to <laughs> erect Chicago as if that is a dismissal of the fact that uh, it's the only thing they have in, in comparison, which is isn't even comparable. You yeah. are from are you from Chicago originally, right? Yeah. Born and raised. Yeah. So you're from Chicago originally. Yeah. I lived in Chicago. That's where we met. Right. Half of these people that are bringing up Chicago as their as their dog whistle and their argument ain't stepped foot in the state of Illinois, let alone in the city of Chicago. Yeah. So I'm always floored by how people use that as an example when it's not even comparable whatsoever. It's not, and it's and it's not an answer. I, it's I'm, not at all. And I'm always thinking also, like, what is history going to say about us? What is history to say about us that we are still standing on words in a constitution that was written at a time where the context was completely different? Mm -hmm. And and I'd imagine that the forefathers, who, for all intents and purposes, I do not agree with lots of things, okay? but that does yeah. not negate some brilliance in what they were doing, did not have this in mind. <laughs> um, they did not. And the fact that the NRA and their money is holding us hostage right now is disgusting. And I feel like history is going to tell that story. And I hope it does. And I hope it's completely transparent that folks sitting in those Senate seats have chosen not to do anything about the problem when it seems so very simple the basic steps to begin a background check and the fact that no one in the world here needs an ak-47 and that no one should be able to go buy 350 rounds of ammunition and and not get a second or third or fourth look at them i think that is absolutely that's, insane. that is the thing that is what i'm surprised by also i think the age limit needs to be raised to 25 personally um you can't even get a drink until you're 21, but you can get an assault rifle when you're not even out of high school. How does that make sense, right? I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but yeah. I think everything that you just said is spot on. It's really surprising how they don't get a second, third, or fourth look. Like, it's just normal culture. And it is. It is the culture of America. 
at this point for that to be the norm, right? And it's so upsetting. Now, granted, and we know this, if those were people of color, gun laws would have been changed how long ago? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, I can't even put it into words. Yeah, I know exactly what and you're saying. And we could say, you know, the what do the whataboutism, but like we know for a fact that if any of those serial killers, like even from the beginning, if Columbine had been a person of color, the gun laws would have been changed. Absolutely. But there's this need to hide the truth and to ignore the problem and to put the responsibility onto everything else but what the actual problem is. And I don't know, first of all, we can talk about Republicans who are blue in the face, but I don't know what Democrats are doing either. Well, that's the thing. Because they're being weak. Well, that's the thing. That's why I just said politicians in that case and the Senate in general, because they're all in NRA's pockets, right? Um, They all get paid by them. And, and, And that's the fundamental problem with politics today is that they do get paid off by these people and they are held to follow whatever political line they say they're supposed to take versus maybe following their conscience. Now, see, I compare that as a queer person who's a Christian to what these preachers do in these pulpits. The Mm -hmm. preacher could be completely in favor of queer folks living their best life. But if the board (laughs) is the people writing the checks and they ain't feeling it, come on, then nothing changes in that church. And, and so I see it all the time. So I feel like I see it very clearly, but those who have not had to face any type of oppression um, don't because their privilege, you know, allows them not to have to see it unless they choose to see it. Yes. And so we sit here talking and I sit here watching Melinda's, uh, you know, TikToks and I'd be like fired up and like repost. Okay. Thank you for saying it. Cause I had nothing else to say today. (laughs) A lot of people say that they're like, thank you for saying what I couldn't put into words. So I'm glad I I can find the words. I mean, I get, I, you know, I get just as frustrated and it takes me a while to to gather my thoughts because at some point I'm just like, what do you say anymore? Because they're not listening. You know, and I feel like the only thing that we can have is our vote. But even then, sometimes, even with our vote, the people that we vote for, they end up falling in line some way, somehow. Now, there are some outliers that are trying to do some good work and really are trying to get their voices heard for the right things. But those other voices are just too loud. And that's what's the problem. And I just I mean, I'm all in favor of burning everything down and starting over. <laughs> like, and I say that all the time that that won't happen, at least in our lifetime. It won't. But I don't know what the next actionable step is because how many more lives have to be lost for gun control? How many more people in the LGBTQ community have to be hurt? How many more black people have to be, you know, killed at the hands of police for anything to be done about the obvious issues in this country? That That's what I don't know. Like, how do you look at the news every day and not ever see one bit of good news? It's been a consistent just bout of bad news for the last few years. And I'm like, when are we going to be exhausted from this? I think that's America's conscience, right? Mm. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, mm. it's been hundreds of years of bad news. Um, yeah. And I don't know if this is that reckoning karma moment. You know, I mean, we are on, on indigenous land. Now, Black folks <laughs> involuntarily, but we inhabit it. And we, you know, it's just like, at some point, at some point, the smallest country in the world will have to pay for its sins too, right? Mm. I just, the greed and the capitalism is a tough one to get over when 
it's uh, powering the entire system. I think, I think I do my podcast because there are glimmers of hope and I want to drop that on people with queer news because yeah. there are amazing people out here who are doing their best in their communities to shift change and shift perspective. And we don't hear them to your point around yes. the news. Um, at the same time, it just feels like that's not going to be enough to get us over. Are we just hoping Stacey Abrams wins? What's happening? We are hoping Stacey <laughs> Abrams wins. And we're also hoping the Beto will win in Texas. We're hoping for everybody that you know, we need to make a difference and to make a change to win. Absolutely. I'm telling you, we need more governors that are people of color who align with our um, with values that equal some type of equity, some type yes. of equality, some type of real change. Yes. We need senates that look more like our House of Representatives and and not the old guard of America that's been this case for the last 300 years. Like there's no yeah. reason the Senate looks the way it does and America is made up the way that it is. It, yeah. it just makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, there's no reason why Supreme Court justices have lifetime appointments. <laughs> What, yeah. wh whose job is a lifetime appointment? It, there's just, these systems have to be challenged. Someone has to ask they the do. question, why is it a lifetime appointment? Right. Presidents get four years, senators, politicians, teachers retire. Like, I don't understand. There also needs to be a limit on how many terms you can serve when you're in the Senate and House of Representatives, because there's no limit, as far as, if I'm correct. I no. think there's no limit. no. It's ridiculous. That's why Mitch McConnell ain't going nowhere. I mean, but like, why do you keep voting for this man? They they just live off of their names. It's interesting. So here in Chicago right now, um, Jesse Jack Jesse Jackson's one of his sons is running for a seat. Um, mm -hmm. He's actually probably the best one out of the bunch. I ain't got nothing against the guy, but <laughs> there's other people running who are probably more qualified. Mm -hmm. You know, but his name is Jackson on the ticket. Yeah, yeah. He, he just had a press conference with 50 pastors. Now you telling me this man got related? No, this is about the name, okay? And it's just like, this is not what we had in mind, right? right? This, um, this system that is now exists in the way in which it does is just not what the ideal was and you know well let's let's talk about your podcast when did you start it and what what has been your goal with it and who are you trying to reach with it because I, I mean I've listened to it I you know I, I value you I appreciate all that you're doing mm -hmm. but share with my listeners just a little bit about the work that you do on your podcast yeah the queer news podcast I started it in November of 2021 it was a pivot um from a longer show that I was doing called wake up with Anna and friends in which I did that after I had quit my job my corporate gig and I was like I need to get a show I need a morning show I was like I can create my own yeah. morning show and that was fun until it wasn't and I've, I've learned I know how that goes girl <laughs> you know what I'm saying and you know as a creative like you get into something you create you're like ready to go you launch it and then you you ride it till it's over and yep. I've come to learn that like I can I can begin to feel when it's not something's not giving me joy and it has stopped giving me joy. I was doing this two-hour yeah. show, live, music, news. I was like, oh, no. And then it, I changed it to an hour. I was like, maybe it's just too long. Like, maybe I do an hour. I was like, oh, no. And then <laughs> I was like, the, the part that I loved about doing the show was the queer news part that I was doing as part of that show. It was also what I felt like was the most unique part that I wasn't getting mm. anywhere else. And then I had gone to two podcasting conferences. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just turn this little piece into a podcast. 
And since I was doing the morning show every day, I was like, well, why not be crazy and do a podcast every day, which is crazy. I just want everyone to know, uh, not <laughs> recommended, but that's a I, lot, you know, girl. It's a lot. Once a week. I was doing twice a week before and I was like, nope, I got to pare this down to once a week. So I don't know how you're doing it every day. Whew. Me either. I take, I definitely have seen where I've taken breaks. So for example, I just had some travel. There was just no way um, that I was going to keep up with a daily podcast without a whole team. <laughs> if all I had to do was record, easy. But if I got to write scripts, source stories, edit, publish, and market, that is absolutely not mm -hmm. going to happen. So, but the Queer News Podcast is really meant to give a balance to some stories that are happening with queer folks to give my perspective at the intersections of race and sexuality when it comes to politics and entertainment and culture. And it's really given me a lot of joy. And so I have been really enjoying it. The folks have been listening and getting value out of it. I just launched a membership program called the Q crew and, and people giving and they funded me now I can go to San Francisco for the AIDS I'm 35th anniversary of the AIDS memorial quilt that's happening mm. coming up which is amazing to me and so it's actually been a really big blessing and a revenue source that I wasn't expecting and I'm really enjoying it so I'm looking forward to growing the team I need producers I would love to have an editor so I'm kind of just riding this wave and yeah. seeing and seeing where it takes me I feel like it is a pretty unique situation and that's also led you to create a, a network now called the cube correct that's happening correct so let's talk about that she Anna don't stop y'all let me tell you <laughs> she is a creator and innovator and entrepreneur she yeah. does it all and I've loved watching your, your star shine. So let's talk about the network that you've just created called The Cube. It's amazing. So it's born out of the radio station, E3 Radio. So my first show was in November of 2009. And I started the Anna Deshawn show and literally nobody was listening to me. And I know that for a fact. I looked at the numbers. I was talking to myself, okay? And <laughs> I did that because I wanted to tell the stories of Black LGBTQ folks here in Chicago and around the country, but I was really heavily focused on Chicago because I just felt like nobody <laughs> was telling the stories. People, I was interviewing people yeah. who we consider to be legends, and they were like, no one's ever talked to me like this before. No one's ever oh, wow. asked me these questions. And I was like, that's wow. insane. Um, you literally gather hundreds of Black LGBTQ folks together annually all the time and no one's asked you a question that was mind-blowing to me hmm. and, and so I started the station it's evolved a lots of different ways taking on lots of different forms over the years um, and recently we play queer music and report on queer news and high rotation and we knew we needed to make it easier for people to tune in and uh, listening yeah. on the website wasn't how isn't how we listen to audio today and we knew we needed to create an app well while me and my best friends were planning for this app we all started talking about podcasts and how it was incredibly difficult <laughs> to find black, black podcasters, brown podcasters, people of color podcasters. Where are the queer folks and the queer folks of color? Like, where are these people? Yeah. Um, yeah. We know it has to be out there, but we couldn't find it. And so as we began to continue to have conversations, we were like, what if we can solve both of these problems at the same time? And so the cube was born out of that. So it's the radio station plus these amazing BIPOC and QTPOC podcasts and we get the cube. If we want to get really deep with it, E3, if you go into math, is the third power is to cube it. And so that's what hit me in the shower that day. I was Love like, it. oh, we should cube it and turn the C into a Q. And so uh, that's what we got. It's going to be a place of discovery for the best BIPOC and QTPOC podcasts in the market. We've got 
94 podcasts that have been accepted into the app, which I know for a fact you wouldn't have found these podcasts in yeah. Apple or Spotify or any other Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, people. Yeah, yeah. It's just impossible to find them in those places. And so I'm excited about what we're building. I think it's going to be pretty dope. That's amazing. And I think also, you know, it's funny when you talk about, you know, segregation, integration, all of that. But I think what people need to understand is when you create spaces like this, it makes people feel safe and they want to hear things that are going to affect them personally. We know that we live in a mostly white-centric, cisgender, heterosexual world, right? Mm -hmm. And so for people of color, that's like, I just want to hear somebody talk about something that I can relate to. Or queer folks, I want to hear somebody talk about something that I can relate to. There's nothing wrong with that. And I love that you saw a need for that. And you were just like, I'm going to do this myself. I'm just going to do it myself. And it's going to be successful because you're behind it. And I know you and I know how you work and I know your work ethic. So I'm really proud of you for just taking that step because it is something that's needed for a lot of communities. And I think that's really important because, yeah, you can't find nothing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts at all. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> and I just came back from a podcast a conference. They did a whole talk about discovery. All right. Mm-hmm. The number one discovery is a website. People Googling whatever they want to find. The second thing is word of mouth. Yeah, a friend. That's how I hear about my podcast. A friend tells me you need to check this out. Yeah, right. Yeah, the lowest one on the list was Apple and Spotify at five percent. Mm. Were the apps. that's where they go to listen, but somebody has to tell them about that's it. That's right, and send them a yep. link to go there to listen. Yeah, yep. they're not discovering yep. there. Um, so yeah, you know, it's blown me away that it's now a network. I'm <laughs> in an app, and like as this thing has evolved, it's like, no, Andy, you're building a community. People just, people are telling me, right. People have to tell yeah, me what we're building, yeah, yeah. you know, they're like, no, you're building a community. You're building a network. You should have like, there should be a cube conference and there should be cube educational materials. And there should, I'm like, child, we just need an app. Can we get that? Yeah, like we got to start. So yeah, but, <laughs> but I love, um, I love the bigger picture. People I getting do, excited about it. That's I great do too. And actually I just got a notification today on Twitter. Someone tweeted about us and, excited that they are accepted into the app and what I hope that it does is shed a light that folks know that black and brown folks are in this space that people of color are Mm -hmm. in this space and we know what it looks like today and we know which podcasts the major players are promoting and centering and investing their money in and I and I want us to know that there are people investing in us as well there are yeah. amazing communities of color who are cultivating amazing podcasters and a podcasting community. And I'm here just to amplify that. I yeah. feel blessed to know these people and to know their work and for them to be partners with us in this because the work that they're doing has laid the foundation for this to even be a possibility, right? They have built these communities already. And so I'm excited about what it can be. I'm I'm excited about what it can mean for both creators and consumers, because my hope is that creators can get paid through an equitable ad revenue sharing program, because advertisers don't want just one podcast. They want 30 that they can send an ad across, right? So we need to have the ability to do that. And make sure everyone can get paid for that if they Mm -hmm. choose to opt in. And then for consumers, come find some really dope stuff. So um, one part of our app that I think really helps us to stand apart is, yes, when you log in, you can set your favorite podcast topics. Cool. But then you get to choose your identities. 
So mm. for me, I would choose black and queer and I'm a woman. And then the app is going to recommend me podcasts that not only associated with what I enjoy listening to, but also my identity. So if we've got Love it. a black queer woman podcast about sports, then that's going to come up on my feed as a recommendation for me and we know we like identity we like culturally aligned content yes and so I'm excited about that I'm excited about the discovery that's going to happen I think it's just going to be man I think it's a game changer which is crazy yes I I think it is good for you good for you well since your podcast is called queer news and it is pride month what do you feel are some issues within the LGBTQ plus community that people that are allies are just, you know, listening, people that are progressive Christians, anyone that you think that we really need to address throughout this month that you would like for people to focus on? Well, I think we have to focus on our own phobias. So I think there's Mm. a lot of transphobia that people don't want to really address. Everybody wants to be like, oh, I love everybody, but do you? Have you... (laughs) Have you taken like yeah, a, have you really talked to yourself about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where do you have a challenge? Do you have a challenge with seeing trans folks compete in sports? Is that a challenge for mm. you? Have you found yourself typically in alignment with the LGBTQ community, but you don't feel like, you know, bathrooms should be all inclusive? Like really challenge yourself in in I think this month to think about the ways in which maybe you could be more inclusive. Maybe mm. you are transphobic. And maybe you should look into that and figure out your why around that. And yeah. and if you are holding on to how, holding on to defining for yourself who is and who is not, you know, part of the binary. Okay. Um, I think that work can be done inside and outside the LGBTQ community. I also, I also think this month is about, man, being present for people who cannot be present. So I think... We're living in a time where because politics is so polarized, folks aren't as comfortable saying I'm out and proud in some places around the country. And I think we need to hold space for those people this month because it's really hard when you live in a city like Chicago to really understand the impact of what happens politically. But as someone who reports on it with queer news, what's happening in Texas is scary. The fact that people in Florida um, and some of these other states where these Republicans are just being like anti-LGBTQ everything, they're really thinking about uprooting their whole lives and moving to different places so that their children or themselves can be safe or receive health care. That should worry us. That should be concerning to us. Um, That should bother us in major ways because that is not okay. And I get really frustrated, especially with Black people. And I can just speak about Black people because I'm a Black person living in the Black experience. Um, You know, with the Dave Chappelle's of the world, it really frustrates me because oppressed people should be be able to recognize when they're oppressing others. Mm, And I feel like Black people have really missed the mark. The lady that does the For Harriet thing, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she said one time they would talk about trans people being killed and there was only 13 of them that died and I said to myself how dare you wow how dare you you talking to tens of thousands of black people and then that's your commentary about trans and to minimize it as if those 13 didn't matter how traumatized are you 
because wow. hundreds of black people die that is traumatizing but guess what guess what we started at we started at 13 so yeah so when you that right there is like the epitome of my life at the intersections I'm just like I just want to shake you and being like can you see the writing on the wall though how can you be so ignorant in this moment so I'd say you know really look inside look inward and see where your own phobias may lie and where your own challenges may lie and work on them. listen to yeah. a podcast by I know a trans a person um a trans person of color um tune in to what's happening in the community do a google search go to a you know a trusted news outlet and and read some people's stories I think storytelling is beautiful um I just think we have to find the humanity in people and um I think podcasting is a beautiful place for that so I'd say go find a podcast I agree. I agree. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. Something you said, though, you know, the finding out of the why you feel the way that you do. And I think the problem is, is that a lot of people don't know why. They're just told this, you know, you're told something in church, let's say, for example, that's one of the main um, incubators for LGBTQ plus hate, sadly. But they're just told to believe something and feel something. And then when you, they are challenged and questioned as to how they came to that conclusion or why, they don't have an answer. And that requires inner work that a lot of people are not humble enough to do. And it's a shame because when, when, when you, you know, peel, peel that away and you step back and you look at it from the outside in, I wish more people could have the self-awareness to be like, you know what? I don't know why I, I, I'm, I'm transphobic. I don't know. I don't know why I feel this way about the LGBTQ. Like, what? I was just told I was supposed to. Like, I really have no logical reason to hate a whole group of people and tell them who they are is not the way that God intended them to be. That part. And so when you sit in a body and you realize that God did make me this way and you know yeah. that the other side is a complete and utter lie man it just makes you want to scream truth from the mountaintops because um and i can speak for myself and i'll use i statements here as a young person who grew up in the church and understanding that who i was feeling like i was was not okay you begin to challenge everything that you're taught right and so i i I like to point out things like um that i was taught for example people who commit suicide are going to hell they would Mm -hmm. teach that in church we were all taught that. Well, yeah. Tell me where it is in the Bible. It it don't. It's not real. <laughs> it's just not. They just real. making things up to scare you. They make things up to scare you, right? So when you when you're sitting in an identity and you begin challenging things very early, you realize, oh, I'm about to challenge a whole lot of stuff. Like I could shake this whole tree, but when you don't have to shake a tree, when you can just sit back and accept it because you don't feel like it applies to you, right? Then there's this complacency that happens that when you don't really do your own studying. And I, I remember people that passed me like, you need to read your own Bible. Who really went home and read it? Nobody. Mm. You just came back on Sunday and waited for him to tell you whatever he was going to tell you. Okay. And that's like, not good enough. <laughs> do better. Yeah. Like, read yeah. it for yourself. Read it for yourself because the person you in that pool. You know people don't pit, like to read. No, they you don't. You know people don't like to they read. They don't even want to listen lazy. to it. They don't even want to listen to it. And I, it's just like, Jesus never said a thing about it. God didn't either. Okay. And if we want to read the Bible, literally, we got a lot to talk about because it's all needs to be put into context. 
and historical context. And if you don't want to go there, I just can't. And I'll, you you don't want to go there anyway because you can be talking about that forever. But they don't want to hear that. That's no. the thing. No, they do not. They don't want to hear that, that the Bible is full of contradictions, that it is antiquated, that half of it can't be used anymore, that also we're supposed to be living after Jesus's death. Like what he said. Like I don't even, I am so, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm anti-Old Testament, but I'm like kind of anti-Old Testament <laughs> because I'm like, this was a guide about what things were and what we're not supposed to do anymore. So why do y'all keep going back to this? We're supposed to be, if we're Christians, we follow Christ and his teachings. When did that happen? the new testament why are we not listening to that and we're supposed to be listening to what jesus said not paul why are we listening to paul right girl i, I could go on i just I don't know about this I forever just don't know i go off about this forever i'm telling you and my mama you know she and, and for context for everyone listening my mama is a southern bell okay grew up in mountain bayou mississippi oh um one stoplight okay and coaching <laughs> they had one stoplight now it's just one stop sign Oh my goodness. Like, I don't know that kind of small town. Oh man. Stories for days. Okay. Very small Ooh. town. Uh picked cotton. They everything they ate, they raised. Like she grew up on wow. a farm, like hella country. Okay. My mama today will tell anybody, okay. Are you following the Ten Commandments? Because I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. And mm. this, last time I checked, they ain't say nothing about gay people. Mm-mm. Okay, my mom will Amen. tell you that in, in a moment's notice. So I just think, folks, we have to do our own work. We have to really think about what truth truth really is and not just go off what yeah. people tell you because it's, it's, this is what happens when we do that. Yes, yes. Well, Anna, I I love everything that you're doing. I love who you are. I'm so grateful for our friendship and the work in your that you're doing and your place in the world. Mm-hmm. Can you please let everyone know where they can follow you, support you, all of the million things that you're doing? Because I definitely want to continue to uplift you and in, in, in all of your work. Well, I appreciate you, sis. I mean, gosh, I mean, church was such a long time ago. Broadway was, it such, was a such a long time, long time ago. <laughs> it was, it was like, crazy long ago. It was crazy I can't believe it ago. either. Me either. Um, so it's a blessing to know you um, oh. and to follow you and to see your work. You. So I'm really honored to be on your show. Um, folks can follow me at Anna Deshawn across all social media platforms, you know, but that TikTok be lit. So definitely go to TikTok. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Anna good time. Anna and I love us some TikTok. We I love do. us some TikTok. I do. It'd be great there. Um, so yeah. definitely TikTok. And then follow the Cube app. T-H-E-Q-U-B-E app on all the social platforms. We're really going to start pushing out more content here very soon. And if you're interested and you're a BIPOC or QTPOC person, please think about submitting your podcast um, for a submission for curation into the app. And if you're interested in wanting to be aware and follow us, um, go to our website, thecube.app and sign up for our waitlist. Join our newsletter so that you'll be aware when the app drops. So if you're listening to this, there's something you could do to support yes, <laughs> what we got going absolutely. on. Follow, listen, subscribe, all the things. I appreciate you in advance. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. This was And to the listeners, thank you so much for your weekly support of We Need to Talk. Shout out to Stephen James, our theme song writer and producer. Remember, everything begins with a conversation. We'll talk to you next week. We need to talk.